0: Hi, I'm Julie. Oh, you're so professional and quiet now. Mm. And I'm Lisa. Welcome back to Two Sober Chicks. We're very excited. We are at the, um, what year is this? 2019, oh. For the conference. No, I know it's 2019. I'm like, what happened to you from yesterday? bumped my head. I
1: don't know. I'm going to look in here. So we're
0: at the um, Ontario Regional Conference of Alcoholics Anonymous, and this year it's being held at the Sheraton Hotel, which is right across from our uh, city hall in the city of Toronto. And Julie has a north-facing room, so she's actually looking at Nathan Phillips Square and the skating rink, and it's snowing right now. It's absolutely beautiful. If you're... If you are on Instagram right now, it's on our stories yes. at Two Sober Chicks. and it's also on Facebook at Two Sober Chicks. So check out those live videos if you want to see what it looks like from where we're sitting today, and hopefully we'll have some guests from the ORC. I doubt we'll get any like major speakers, but
1: we just—you never we'd, know. We'd ask anybody
0: who we wants might to, have come to do in.
1: some favors mm. to get us some guests. Yes,
0: can you get <laughs> Earl H? Oh my God, I would die if I could get Earl H.
1: On our podcast. I look forward to hearing him. When is he speaking? Tonight. At the to, banquet? At the banquet, Oh, yeah. he's the banquet he's speaker. He's the banquet speaker. That's amazing.
0: Earl H is like his story. When I heard his story, I couldn't believe. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe he's not drinking. <laughs> if he can do it, anyone can. Exactly. Because the life this guy has had, he's, he's a plane crash survivor. A plane crash survivor. Yeah. The only... Person who survived the entire plane crash. Oh, my God. This just gave me chills. And his whole family gets wiped out. Oh, no. So his story, when I heard his story, I cried. You will cry tonight. You're going to cry. I love crying, so let's bring it.
1: It is so good, so I'm really excited. Okay, so the first ORC was December 16th, 1943. So how many years is that? I'm terrible with math.
0: Maybe Jim D. from... uh, dried in new york so maybe he was here
1: 63 73, 83 93 2003 2013 plus 7 wow 77 77 77 for all of you people out there that know how to do math if
0: we're wrong i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> actually i actually julie did it just like how i would do it with her thing. fingers
1: on my fingers <laughs> math was not my strong suit
0: no not my grade 10
1: math four times
0: i feel like i should mention this is ice water again i'm heavily addicted to ice water this weekend
1: yeah a sound that no doubt will bring back a flood of um sim- not symptoms memories um, feelings, feelings and memories for sure it reminds me of my heaviest drinking days in miami that sound that sound yeah, yeah. it's um there's a name for it euphoric recall It's when you don't just have a memory, it's like an actual full body, like with Mm -hmm. me, it'll be taste buds exploding, or almost like the feeling of when I took my first sip, and I felt it hit my bloodstream, and I'd get a a, a head rush. That's euphoric recall. It's so much more than just a memory. Wow. It's body memory. I used to get that every time I'd hear, you know, when the Mm -hmm. beer
0: opens, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like, ah. Okay. Thanks. Thank God. And so funny because it never actually brought me relief. It just brought me that feeling of relief, that sense of relief, but it was a false sense of relief that I would later come to learn. Yeah. Didn't actually give me relief at all. It actually made my life a complete and utter mess. The great lie, Mm. the great lie of addiction. So we are here at the ORC we have so many things we want to talk about. There's so many great speakers lined up. We can't wait. We're going to hear uh, one of our friends, Deborah P. is going to speak this afternoon. Oh my God,
1: I can't wait.
0: I think she should be. If you have a conference in the United States and you want a fucking hilarious Canadian, you should ask Deborah P. Uh, from St. Clement's to come and be your guest.
1: Yeah. She's great. She is a huge personality. Yes. That will say things that will shock and awe, make you laugh, mm-hmm. make you go, mm, okay. <laughs> whole range of emotions she put the cray cray in crazy I love it she's
0: amazing so we're looking forward to that and so many great speakers yeah but you thought it would be a good idea
1: yeah I have the Kleenex right beside the mic because I think we're both gonna cry (laughs) so Lisa and I had a difficult week two weeks um, in our friendship a couple of weeks ago led by me unfortunately I have to say And I've been reflecting a lot on how you and I have gone through that. And I honestly, truly believe, had we not learned the program that we have in Alcoholics Anonymous, the 12 steps, and for those of you that don't know the 12 steps, it's the way we recover. Mm -hmm. You can Google it. You can find it anywhere. It's a 12-step model. Right. Um, Had it not been for what we've learned, based on the 12 steps and in our fellowship, I don't know if we would have navigated it the way we did. I don't think we'd be friends anymore. (laughs) we're laughing is that but too blunt? that is that is like my worst fucking fear and that was where a lot of the pain came from mm-hmm. in the last couple of weeks and we're not going to get into specifics here we may do it on a future podcast but it could be upsetting for a lot of people mm-hmm. um, to hear it but what I will say is that I hurt you deeply which I did not intend to do yeah. and it fucking killed me like I was horrified yeah. And we didn't talk for a couple of days. Um, if you Which know is a Lisa... gift I've learned in the program, too, <laughs> because if I had to talk to you on day one, we,
0: again, yeah. probably wouldn't be friends.
1: Yeah. But the amazing thing, and I'm not, it's weird to talk about you when you're in City. front of me. Okay. Like, it's weird to say, Lisa said, so I'm just going to say it to you, okay. and then if... It would be like if people were in the room. So what I found amazing is even though for those two days you literally couldn't even like look or talk to me, mm-hmm. you went and told people to reach out to me because I needed them. So you went and told your bestie, mm-hmm. I can't talk to her right now, but she needs somebody. She needs you. Yeah. So it was such. Because your besties active... in Africa right now. Yes. And I
0: was like, oh no, Julie's alone through this
1: yeah Yeah. so first of all that was amazing to me and then when you did when we did see each other and come together for a conversation as hurt as you were and as as scared as you were the first thing you said when you walked in the door was you hugged me and you went how are you and I think I was like I'm okay and you went are you like your whole concern it seemed was geared towards me like how are you And we were able to sit down and talk and, you know, not exactly close up the box neat and tidy because we don't know how things are going to go in the future. Mm -hmm. But I don't think you ever doubted. Well, I shouldn't I shouldn't say that. I think I know how you feel. Um, I don't doubt that you love me. Yeah. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And we have this program where you went to your sponsor and I went to my sponsor and we went to our people and we checked it out with others and I talked to my therapist. And so instead of us getting caught in the emotion and maybe justifying our position Mm -hmm. or villainizing the other person, it was about, okay, what's my stuff? Do I have a part in this? And how do I go forward in love instead of reacting from my places? Because Mm -hmm. we both reacted from our places independently but then when we came together, we're able to say, this is what it was for me. And you you tell the story, but you hanging up your backpack of baggage and issues was, like, so good. Because I realized a lot of your reaction, while it had a lot to do with me, it also pulled up stuff that was very uh, painful for you. Yeah, from And my past. Yeah.
0: And um, feelings of uh, rejection, feelings of judgment, feelings of being abandoned and betrayed. Mm-hmm. So, in this one sentence, this one thing that you said, um, it it made me doubt who is this person mm-hmm. <laughs> that I call ally, that I call friend, heartmate. Um, how could she say something so insensitive? Does she not know what she said? Mm-hmm. And then it triggered all the times that dear people who I loved and trusted, um, had turned on me when they found out that I was gay yeah, and the reactions that they had. Um, I don't know if I've ever talked about this before, but it might also help you understand why I had that big reaction and couldn't talk right away. Mm -hmm. Um, when I came out to my parents, first of all, it took me years to come out to my parents. Um, They were church-going people. They um, went to the United Church. And uh, I remember being about 16 when the debate about whether or not the United Church was going to allow gay ministers to practice, Mm -hmm. give sermons, and be ministers. And the minister that uh, was over our congregation at the time was totally against it, was outraged, and would stand up at the pulpit and tell people that, like, over his dead body, basically— and I remember there was an out gay kid in my high school who used to sit with his family in the front row. And his family was best friends with the pastor and his family. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking, how can they do this? How can he say this with that kid sitting right there? What that, what must that be doing to him? And I was struggling internally. So I still hadn't identified as a gay person at that time. Yeah, I was struggling with maybe, am I? And if I am, oh my God, it was terror. It was horrifying that I might be this because of the messages that I was receiving from church yeah. and my family. And um, years later, when I would come out to my parents, I came out to my mom because she asked me, because she had a suspicion. And she asked me, and it was Christmas, and I was home at Christmas time. And so that, um, my brother forever calls that the year Lisa ruined Christmas. Um, so these are some examples of some family responses. I have a year
1: in my family where I room in Christmas, too. <laughs> nice. Not by coming out, but something no, else? No, not by coming okay. out. I wrecked everything. Yeah, apparently I by did, By voicing too. an opinion about a gift I didn't like. Oh. oh. And not even being mean about it. Whore. Yeah. And then my boyfriend <laughs> but, at the time, who I later on married, like, left, and everyone was mad at me. And I'm like, I just... It's, I'm sorry, he thought he bought me the ring I liked, and I, it wasn't. It's, I don't know why this is such a big deal. Anyway. Yeah. Not as uh, soul-crushing and as big travesty as yours, but. <laughs> Still. We do have a year that Christmas was wrecked, yeah. each of us. And we did it. Yeah. The label that it was, was our put fault. on us. Yeah, for sure. Um,
0: so my mother asked me this question, I don't remember exactly what the, I think it was just like, oh, is blank more than your roommate. <laughs> is that what you're trying to tell me is blank more than your roommate? I'm just not going to use the person's name out of respect. Use my name. <laughs> well, no, that would be confusing. <laughs> that would be weird. Um, and in that moment, it was like, oh, this is the this is the moment I've always feared because I know that in this moment, everything can change. Mm-hmm. It could change. But I, I wanted to finally live my true authentic life and to be who I was. And I wanted everyone to love me, like you say, you know, you want people to, um, you don't want to belong to a church if they're not going to authentically accept all of you.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and so for me, it was that moment. And I said, yes, mom, I'm, I'm gay. And then she started to cry. And in that moment, what I'm feeling is, oh, my mom's crying. So I stepped towards her to hug her and console her. And she pushed herself away from me so hard that she bumped into the wall. She banged her head off the wall. That's like sweet justice. Um, so she bumped her own head and, uh, her response was, um, I wish you had cancer because at least cancer you can cut out with a knife. Like that was the worst thing I could have told her was that I was gay and that it was a sickness and it was something that was uncurable and, um, and it was shameful and, And I thought in that moment, my own mother doesn't even want to accept a hug from me. I'm trying to console her Mm -hmm. and she doesn't even want me to touch her. Mm -hmm. It made me feel, uh, unwanted, unloved, dirty, shameful.
1: Yeah.
0: So with that little history, then when the thing that happened, (laughs) when you said what you said, um, it brought all that back. Yeah. And I started to question our
1: our friendship. And I was like, but this is not the Julie I know. I know. You know, so. Do you think we should say it or leave it for another time? It doesn't. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Is it it really okay? Yeah. Okay. So um, as many of you who listen to the podcast may know, I'm making my way through seminary. And... um, Queer theology or a gay hermeneutic is something I went into seminary being very interested in. Hermeneutic is just how you interpret the Bible, like what lens you use. Okay. Um, and because of my love for the LGBTQ community, I went in, like, I'm going to prove the Bible wrong. I'm going to do all of this. And so coming from this kind of a mindset, I've like dove headfirst into what this means. Mm-hmm and it's a struggle because I don't know my own theology I know what I believe I'm measuring things against scripture and I keep hearing the term and not in the circles that I'm hearing it it's not used as a weapon or anything but the term is homosexual lifestyle and what that specifically refers to is a gay person who lives a life like any other person just attracted to the opposite sex maybe single maybe married doesn't matter a lot of the Um, there's a lot of debate within the LGBTQ Christian community who's called to clergy and ministry. They often feel like they either have to decide to be celibate or to not be celibate. And Mm -hmm. a non-celibate gay person is considered as having a homosexual lifestyle. I had no idea that term was offensive. Mm -hmm. And because Lisa – is a huge part of my inner circle, like the very closest people to me. I've been very honest in my sister's chats with all of my sisters about what I'm hearing and where I'm at. And so I just dropped that term as if I had said, I don't know. I'm having pizza for lunch. (laughs) Right. Having no idea how it would land. Mm -hmm. And it obviously brought you a lot of pain. And so I jump on this sister's chat and Lisa looks devastated and I have no idea what's going on. And all of a sudden, I'm genuinely saying, oh my god, why is it bad? I had no idea. Now, as I thought about it in the two days that we weren't speaking or we were not in communication, I realized, at least from my end, why that's offensive. And I didn't know this, how it had been used as a weapon and how it affected you. Mm -hmm. But like, you're a fucking human being living a human lifestyle. Right. And for me to say that to you, I think in my heart, would rob you of the dignity of being just a person. It I'm just me. a person. Yep. And now, th- I didn't understand the connotations behind it, which you explained to me later, but that's where I came to in my own understanding, mm-hmm. and then light started to come on. And my, my first thought was, um, do you guys discuss the heterosexual
0: lifestyle?
1: Well, of course not.
0: No one ever says that. Exactly. So why is there this fucking debate? And anyway, so... And it's still, like you said, it's like something that's coming down the road as you dig deeper into the Bible, which is one of the reasons why I remove myself from a church organization. Because um, I don't think me living uh, a normal life is a sin. But somewhere, I guess you say that in the Bible, I don't know where it is said, but we'll discuss that down the road. We can get into that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, I don't think, and I've gone to a church where the interpretation is the opposite of that. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I think it's in the interpretation. So, yep. And in that moment, I was like, I, my hope is that you don't choose a church that has that belief because I want to be able to go to your church. Mm-hmm. And then we had this whole discussion of um, like, well, what if I wasn't married and I wanted you to marry me? Then you wouldn't be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And it so brought up a lot of just emotions as friends and love but it was important for me too that you understand and I thought you did already so that's what the big shock was is that yeah you used that term and I thought how can she be so callous and use that term but it was innocent you just didn't know yeah and so and then we were open to discuss so what we're ta- what we're talking about now is Um, how different we are thanks to the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 steps in how we handled this situation because for me this was a huge fucking deal yeah Um, this was as I said to Julie if this had happened to me 10 years ago in a friendship even a friendship as deep and loving and connected and close as you and I are it would have ended it without question
1: yeah
0: Um, and I've I've lost friends just because they found out that I was gay and they didn't want to be a part of my life anymore, and that hurt. Because I'm like, what? I'm still the same person. What do you mean you don't you don't want to talk to me or you can't associate with me anymore? Um, so, and then as I get older, it's about like, wait a second. What do you mean you're judging me for who I am? Maybe I don't want to be friends with you. Um, yeah. So yeah, it would have definitely ended our our relationship. But I did things like took a breath. I responded. We have this group chat in Marco Polo where it's like a video voice messaging. So I responded and then I deleted it because it was totally in anger. Mm -hmm. I was like, nope. Thank God she didn't see that. Not sending that one. And then as I processed it a little while ago, a little while later, I thought, well, she's obviously going to know something's up because I'm not answering. I'm not Mm -hmm. responding. So I'm going to send her some message, but I couldn't even put the camera on my face. Cause I didn't want you to see the anger in my face and the hurt in my face. So I just said like homosexual lifestyle, Julie, really? I was really disappointed. So you got that message and then you knew that I was hurting Yeah. and we did things like we each checked in with our best friends, um, sponsors, as you said, your therapist, I hadn't got there yet. Um, I didn't even, when I did go to my therapist a week later, I'd already processed
1: it. And I know I made a joke after I'm like, Oh my God, I hope I didn't give you too much new material. (laughs) But having the sort of 12-step platform helped in every way imaginable because it helped us rely on our higher power. I mean, it's no different. Mm -hmm. Like in this situation, we're both powerless because what I've said has already been said and we're both caught in our emotions. Then we turn to God. Then we surrender to God. Mm -hmm. Then we look at our own part. Then we talked to God about our own part. Then yeah. when we came together, both of us looked at each other and apologized. Mm-hmm. And I said to you, what can I do to make it better? Is there anything I can do to make it better? Is there anything I can do differently in the future? And it doesn't take the hurt away or the fear away because I, I think we're both <laughs> a little bit scared still. Yeah. But I don't know how I would have dealt with this without having years of this ingrained... What do I do? I just climb the ladder of the steps to where I'm supposed to be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And to be honest, um, and one of the most amazing things that came out of this was that I've been able to go to this community and say to people, like, this is an offensive term. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's mm-hmm. usually been, did you know this is an offensive term? And be able to talk about why. Mm-hmm. And I've been asked by um, my professor at the school and the and who's talking to the dean about rewording the language in some of the school's um manuscripts or um, publications or statement of faith yeah it not to change their position but to have more grace-filled language okay um and i've been able to talk to like my little church group who wants to have a dialogue with the community Mm -hmm. about how we can all come together and I've been listening to podcasts and blogs and documentaries and really, and a lot of the stuff that comes up that I wasn't aware of was language is important. Mm -hmm. And I've been able to correct the language of classmates. So even though the pain is, I don't like the pain of what happened and I fucking hate that I hurt you, so much has come out of it that I think is transforming and changing things for the better um, around us. And that's why it's so important for me to be able to be open and honest with, you and my other friends in the LGBTQ community because I wouldn't know this if I wasn't in communication with you because I don't know what it's like to be in that community and you telling me what the experience is like what's appropriate what's not appropriate is the best possible way I can hope to understand and then advocate and then teach when people make mistakes like I did whether it's out of ignorance or done um purposely Mm
0: -hmm. um and one of the things this program teaches us is that our mistakes are sometimes our greatest assets, right? So, um, you you made a you made a mistake in the way you worded that, and then I love that you're having that dialogue um, with the people who you're learning with. Um, so yeah, we still have this uncertain future and one of the things I said I was so afraid of is, oh no, what's going
1: to happen to two sober chicks? <laughs> I was like, we better start podcasting like furiously.
0: <laughs> so cuz Julie's on this path of discovery and she's um digging deep into her her religion and her faith and I'm and see this is what kept me from alcoholics anonymous was that belief. Because what belief? That belief about homosexuality and religion. And and if, um, if what I was hearing was God doesn't like me, God doesn't love what I do, you know, what I do. Oh, God loves me, but he doesn't love you living your quote unquote lifestyle. Right. So in other words, God doesn't like me being in a loving relationship. I can't get down with that. So then I'm not going to get down with God. And then I come to the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and they're like, Oh, by the way, (laughs) <laughs> you need to have a higher power. Oh, well, I'm fucked. So <laughs> that was a huge, you know, stepping stone for me or a stumbling block for me. Um, but I, I learned um, to embrace my higher power. Um, I, for me, uh, a God of my understanding is a God of love. And uh, my God loves and accepts me for who I am. My God created me. So how can who I am And what I do, be wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, Me loving uh, someone of the same sex is not hurting anyone. Um, So I have all, you know, I've dealt with all that stuff. And thank God, and I mean that, thank God, because that led me to being open to accept God into my life, which helped me get sober and which helps me every day. And like you said, through this whole process, I did, I prayed. Yeah. I didn't turn away. From, because my my understanding and my belief is maybe different than yours, maybe not. I don't know where you're at right now, but my understanding and my belief is that God loves me and um, God won't forsake me, and I needed God's help, especially Mm -hmm. in this. Another thing that happened is one of the people who I talked to um, was someone of faith, and um, their. Leanings. Their suggestion was that I should pull away from you. Mm-hmm. And I listened and um, that they thought that maybe my relationship with you might be harmful to me. Mm-hmm. And I listened and I thought, wow, if this had come at me 10 years ago, I would have taken everything they said and said, yeah, that's right. You're right. I'm justified. This is how I'm feeling. She's fucking wrong. I can't believe this. She fucking betrayed me. She hid who she really was and what she really thought. Maybe she was going to try to send me to conversion therapy. Uh, (laughs) Which is a crime. Fucking crazy. Um, And we would have not been friends. And this show would be over. But I prayed. Because this was a person also. This is a person of faith. Faith. And so when I got that message, it was a little bit confusing for me. And then I talked to my sponsor about everything that had gone on. And um, my sponsor said, um, "How, how did you want people to react when you came out? And I told him and he said, well, then why don't you be that in this situation? And so I went back to what can I control, you know, what, what are my actions? What's my behavior? What's my responsibility? Mm -hmm. How can I be the best Lisa that I can possibly be? And, um, so that's being a good friend and being supportive and, um, working through this with you as best we can and, um, loving you and trying to let go of judgment about these thoughts and these teachings. Um, there was another thing. Oh, and I prayed and the message like, You know, Julie, I've always been a little bit envious because Julie says God talks to her. And you get, you like, what? Hear things?
1: Do you hear things? No, it's never audible. It's like an impression in my spirit that is very clear. But I know people who have heard the audible voice of God. I've just never. Okay. And it's never like a question and answer period. It's like, hey, God, what's the answer to this? And he answers me. It's more like as I'm going through something, mm. I'll feel his presence and what he's guiding me and asking me to do. So he the- has been silent about all of this, by the way, other than love and accept everyone. What I know for sure is I will never, I don't ever want to be a part of a church that says anybody is not welcome because mm-hmm. that's not what I believe our Savior asks of us. So, so
0: what I felt, uh, when I was praying and asking for guidance in this situation Mm -hmm. and, and I haven't had such a strong feeling before was I would not have brought you together. I would not have brought you together to tear you apart in this way. Mm -hmm. And I kept praying. And that's the same feeling that kept coming up, kept coming up. Like, don't abandon this, Lisa, stick with it. So yeah. Uh, so that's what I did, and uh, it softened my heart, and um, and I love you, and I, I wanted you. I wanted to see what we could do, and so yeah, the future's still a little bit scary. It is scary, um, but right now this program saved our friendship for sure, and and how we handled it. Yeah. So um, I no longer do contempt prior to investigation Mm -hmm. (laughs) so there was a lot of investigation and a lot of counseling I also listened to my sponsor I have to check my thoughts and feelings right because if I just run on those thoughts and feelings again I would have blown this shit out of the water um and what a loss I mean you and I have been so good for each other and a great support yeah and you know I You're just, you're one of those, you're one of the top three people that I go to when I think, oh, I need to check my thoughts and feelings. Hmm. So.
1: Well, you're my heartmate. I only have one heartmate. I can't lose my heartmate. That would kill me. Yeah.
0: And that killed me. So isn't it funny that in that moment when I'd been so hurt that as soon as I saw your face and Julie sent us a Marco, the group, and she started to cry and I was broken too because I'm like, oh, this is hurting her. Yeah. As well, and I don't like seeing you hurt, even if it was over the fact that you hurt me. <laughs> it yeah, was not I can okay. handle
1: being hurt on my own. That's not an issue. But to know that I've hurt you, that or to to know that I've been the cause of pain for someone else is like the worst possible thing, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Like I'll throw myself in front of a car before I'll hurt somebody. So yeah, it was not fun. But I think we did good. I think you especially did good because. You know, I don't want to compare pain, but uh, I'm the one that started it, and you, I think, were the bigger person to want to be open to dialogue and coming back together and all that other stuff. Thanks. Yeah. I'm never going to leave you. I hope not. I won't. Okay. <sighs> okay. And, and this- I
0: think, too, that you doing – I my hope and see this is another thing oh yeah this is another thing luke talked to me about expectation it's one of my number one character defects is that i have expect who doesn't have fucking expectation seriously let's be fucking real and
1: even then i'm like "Mm, it's not black and white
0: so my expectation was that julie would go to seminary and she would change all these you know outdated, uh, sorry, outdated ideas and beliefs about homosexuality Mm -hmm. and then we would have a happy gay rainbow church together Mm -hmm. of straight, gay, trans, black, white, all mixes, all races. That's what I want my church to look like. Everyone is welcome. Yes. Like I go to a church where that's the saying, all are welcome. Yeah. That's why I chose that church, all are welcome. And to me that's the fundamental principle uh, if you believe in a Jesus Christ figure, to me, that's that fundamental principle. A
1: thousand percent.
0: It's all all are welcome. A
1: thousand percent. Yeah.
0: So, we'll see where this journey takes us. But for now, we are so grateful to AA and Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, change. This program is all about change. It's not just about putting down the drink. It's so much
1: more than that. Oh my God! Yes. If there's anything I wish that we could get across of why we do this program, why we do Two Sober Chicks, is to just show that it's, once you put that drink down, alcohol is mentioned once in the steps. Like, once you put that drink down, it's a design for living. Yeah. Like, this is how we live our life. It's not just like we compartmentalize. This is how we deal with our alcoholism. Like, it's a part of who we are. It's intrinsic to our being. Mm -hmm. And the 12-step model is how we deal with life, Period. I think this
0: is why, like, you know, my sisters bless their hearts, love them so much. When we get together for a little sister weekend, uh, they still will say, is it okay that we have wine? You know, they, they're loving and supportive, but I'm not living in agony around alcohol like I was when I first came in and when I wasn't working the steps, mm-hmm. being around alcohol was excruciating because I wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> I still wanted it. That obsession was fucking there yeah and um and it's not anymore
1: yeah so it's pretty amazing
0: so it's so much bigger than that it's gone so far beyond that that obsession has been removed um and i can be around alcohol i don't like being around severely fucked up wasted people because that's no fun believe it or not when you're sober it's not a good time yeah (laughs) Oh, great. You puked in my car. Awesome. I'm so glad I'm the sober
1: person driving you all home tonight. Oh, great. You've said the same story four times. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Oh, yeah. This is r- super funny what you're saying right now. Like, it's just yeah. not. We're not judging. We just don't like to be around nope. it. It's not for us.
0: It's a good reminder, though, of what it used to be like for
1: people <sighs> around us. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Anyway, I think it's time to close this one. I think this is our longest podcast ever. I think it was long for a reason. I think double the usual length. I have no idea. I haven't even checked the time. It required that, I think. It did. And I hope that, um, my hope is that no one was offended by this podcast Mm because we're not saying I'm right. We're not saying Julie's right. We're saying we're still in this discovery stage. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I feel I'm right, but (laughs) it's my fucking life. And... God loves me. (laughs) I'm just going to say that. Um, But I hope, my hope is that no one is offended and that you aren't hurt by this and that there's no judgment coming out at you if you are gay or if you're not gay, if you're a Christian, if you're Muslim, whatever your belief is. Mm -hmm. um, I hope that no one walks away from this offended. I hope the message that you get from this is that this is what can happen between two people who may or may not have different views about any situation about any idea when we sit down and we act with God. Mm-hmm. We act lovingly uh, from the place that I think God wants us to act, with an open mind,
1: yeah.
0: uh, without judgment, and with nothing but love in our hearts. And we got through that. Yeah. So that's my message. That's my wish for we everybody. We get to decide. Yes.
1: All right. I love you. I love you too.
0: All right. This has been Two Sober Chicks. Thanks so much for joining us. If you want to send us a message, the number two sober chicks at gmail.com. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. And we love you. We do.